today's scripture is telling us kind of what happened to Moses. He didn't get to cross over to that promised land. Nonetheless, he died strong and remembered, and he died pointing to Christ and to God. So we're going to dive into that scripture, and let's open in prayer. Mighty God, I thank you for your word that you speak to us. Um, I pray this morning that whatever we came here with um, on our mind or on our heart, maybe whatever is on our to-do list for tomorrow morning or even this afternoon or evening, I pray that you might so speak to us that we would align ourselves in a new way with you, that we would say yes to you. Lord, we pray that we'd be a people that are attentive even to your still small voice, that we don't require a burning bush, but we are looking for you to speak to us today through your word, through our singing together, through our worship together, through communion, um, through this gathered to community, community. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's probably good news to you that your executive pastor loves to-do lists. I really do. I like handwritten to-do lists at home, and I like to-do lists for me at work and for those that I work with. And I even like that Bethany has now a strategic plan. It's kind of like a 10-year to-do list, if you will. Any of you to-do list people? Okay, good. And do any of you like to do this thing where you've done something, but it wasn't on your list? And so you go ahead and just put that on your list so you can have the joy of crossing it off? Uh-huh. Um, this happened to me just this weekend. It's like, oh, I wasn't going to do that little chore, but now I've done it, so I'll, I'll add it to the list. So if you might think of life's list, if you will, it, we have this idea of a bucket list. Like what I want to make sure I do in this life. I really want to float the Grand Canyon. No kidding. I really do. I really want to climb Mount Rainier. I've done that one. Check. Yeah. Um, with guides and, you know, they practically, had, it was for me actually going up was fabulous. Totally felt God's presence and like God had equipped me and given me all I need to get up the mountain. I just hadn't mentally prepared to come down the mountain. And so God and I did some bargaining as I was coming down Mount Rainier. It's like, please, Lord Jesus, I'll never climb another mountain. Just get me home. <laughs> I practically was on my knees. Um, but that's another story. So we have these uh, lists, if you will. And certainly for Moses, from the time of the burning bush, he was thrilled to be the one who was called to lead the people into the promised land. And that's what he thought he was doing. And he was. He was an amazing leader. The people were constantly grumbling, and he so, somehow had to kind of keep his mind on, this is what we're about, this is where we're going. He played his part. And then we, a couple of weeks ago, we discovered that he made a mistake. When there was no, the people were complaining that there was no water. Does this sound familiar to some of you who are here? There was no water, and so Moses went and pleaded with the Lord, like, do something. And God said, okay, I'll do something. Take your staff, lift it up in front of the rock. Gather all the people together, lift your staff up, in, by, near, standing near the rock, and call on my name, and water will come flowing out of the rock. But Moses couldn't quite do it that way. He took his staff, and he banged the rock a couple times. And evidently, he banged it so hard that it created a question in people's mind. Did Moses actually kind of break that rock open with his staff and water came gushing out? Or did God do something? And so because of that disobedience, Moses suffers a consequence. He's not going to get to go into the promised land. 
It almost to me feels like one of the, a, a, an unbearable disappointment. How could you come to the very edge of something and not get to complete it, not get to see it come to pass? So that's what happens to Moses. He dies without arriving, without completing what he thought his mission was. So what can we learn from this? How does Moses kind of make his peace with this? I think he comes to see that he played his role, that he, it's like it wasn't his calling. God called him that far and gave him the strength and blessing to get that far, and then he had kind of had to let it go, let it go to the next person. I'm guessing that some of you were watching the Olympics this summer, that women's 4 by 100 relay United States team. I don't know if you saw it, but there was this moment where um, Allison Felix was running, I think, the second leg, and right as there's a zone to hand off the baton, I mean, they're at the Olympics in one of the semifinals, so they want to get to the final, they're favored to win gold. She crosses over the line into the handoff zone, and as she does, some, another runner, I think Brazilian woman, bangs her arm, and she, she loses her grip on the baton. And she has to, like, go back, scramble, grab it. Now everyone else is taking off, and she has to hand it anyway. It's like it hadn't gone as they had hoped and that as they had practiced, but she, she just picked it up and handed it off anyway. And that story ends really well because they did complete that semifinal and the team that hit the elbow was disqualified and the U.S. got to run again, which was an even bigger challenge in a way because they had to run again without any competition. They had to just run for time. So it was like a giant practice. And I guess the stands were kind of going crazy, which was a gift because, uh, you know, there they were in, in, uh, not in their home stadium, so to speak. And they're out there all by themselves. They ran for time. They made it. I think they actually had the best qualifying time, even without any competition. And I think they got the gold. Yeah, so they completed that journey. But the point being that when you're carrying your baton, Part of the biggest challenge, maybe in the race of life as well, is handing it off, is knowing like your, your leg has, is ending and you've got to pass that baton to someone else. When we look at scripture, one of my favorite passages in scripture is um, Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it starts saying, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then he goes and lists off all the people who live by faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what, was, what is seen was not made out, out of what was visible. It's like God made everything. And then he starts naming. By faith, Abel offered God a sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And then he gets to Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sense of Christ, the sake of Christ, as a greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. It just goes on and on and on. And then it says, these were all commended for their faith Yet none of them received what had been promised. None of them received what had been promised. 
So maybe you're a person who feels like you're at a place in life where you kind of thought it was going to turn out a certain way, and, and it's not happening the way you thought it was going to be. You're not seeing that completion. You're not making it way you're through your bucket list. This scripture is showing us that God's presence was so real to Moses that he was able to accept basically what his leg of the journey was, to just run his part of the race and run it fully. So that's the first thing that we see. He, uh, he died without arriving. And then the second thing that we see is that Moses died strong, strong and remembered. My husband has a t-shirt that I was going to bring, but it's like so worn out. It's kind of pathetic. It says, live long, drop dead. And there's this kind of guy with a spear on it. Live long, drop dead. It's Mark Sisson, who's like a paleo author. Um, that's kind of one of his, his sayings. L while you're alive, be fully alive. Because we don't have control over when that endpoint is coming. So it was with Moses. We see in verse 7 and 8 of, um, now we're going to stay in Deuteronomy 34 for quite a long time, if you are following along. We see in verse 7 and 8 of Deuteronomy 34 that, um, that Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. He was a vital person at age 120. Now, we're, I'm not going to preach to that, but Mike, Mark Sisson might. I don't know. Moses announces, I'm in, uh, back in Deuteronomy 31, I am now 120 years old. I'm not able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you will not cross the Jordan. And then Moses goes on to say, he's kind of saying it to Joshua. He says it over and over. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So Moses is saying to the people, I can't go with you. Like, I've been your leader. You've relied on me. I can't go there. I can't cross over. But you are going to be okay. Because you're going to be strong. You're going to be courageous. He, it's like he tries to pour his strength into them. He says, don't be afraid. Jesus says the same thing when he has his disciples gathered together. He gives in the end of Matthew, he gives a great commission. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. And then at the very, very end, the last thing he says in Matthew, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the close of the age. So Moses is saying, grab hold of the strength that you have. Run your race. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be thinking about what could have been. Like, don't let the disappointments of your life overwhelm you. Stay focused on what God's doing. You can't run every leg of the race. Like, in that Olympic relay, Allison Felix couldn't have said, oh, well, I'll just pick up the baton and keep running. She has to hand it off. And that's kind of what's happened with Moses here. It happens with Paul as well. Paul knows that he can't do it all. He, he names off, you know, it, Apollos will, one will plant the seed, the next one will, will water, will kind of keep taking the hand off. In his death, Moses kind of hands this strength over that they would remember not just who he was, but who God is. So then he goes in these last chapters of Deuteronomy and he names off each tribe and gives them a blessing. 
like one by one, Benjamin, Joseph, Zebulun, Gad, Naphtali, Asher, and he has this about uh, Asher. The bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze. It's, it's not like saying you'll win every battle. It's saying you will be strong. You'll be made of the finest metal. And your strength will equal your days. You'll have enough strength to get through all your days. Is that good news for us as well? That you might have enough strength to get through all your days. Brad and I just talked to somebody who's coming in on a Sunday here to work at the campus because they've got so many extra students that she has to take care of them all. And as we were talking, I was realizing I wanted to give her that blessing. May you have all the strength that you need for today. And that may you do today what needs to get done to make tomorrow. She's coming in on her day off to set up things for tomorrow. May your strength equal your days. There's a great book about leadership called Good to Great um, by Jim Collins. And Collins is really known for identifying this amazing balance of what it takes to be a leader. He says that he finds in these level five leaders um, leading multinational corporations, they studied like the corporations that went from good, they were a good company to great. And what qualities did it take? And he said one of the qualities was that these leaders were both modest and willful. Isn't that kind of an interesting combination? Like they were always giving others credit, and yet they were really determined. They were really willful. They, were, they could keep their mind focused on the goal. He said they were humble and fearless. And this kind of reminds me both of Moses and of Joshua. These are Christian characteristics. Going back to our relay team, when they drop the baton at the Olympics, there's a part of me, if I were them, I would just want to sit down and mope. It's like, really, we came all this way to drop the baton? And there were some athletes that you might have watched on the Olympics, a guy who, who st stepped out of bounds by like two inches, and he knew it, and, and he was just crushed. He was in a heap. Moses could have taken that, that position. No promised land, okay, I give up. Let somebody else step in. But he doesn't give in to this hopelessness. Instead, he looks to the way he could bless others. And so he starts naming them off and kind of calling God's blessing on all of these people. As I was thinking about this sermon, I was kind of imagining how to express to you uh, what it would be to finish strong even when you don't arrive in the promised land. And a friend came to my mind who I would say died really well. He had Lou Gehrig's disease, and I actually looked up more about Lou Gehrig's disease than about Lou Gehrig. Did you know that Lou Gehrig, he was a first baseman um, from 1923 to 39, or was that his whole life? No, that was his, his career. Um, he was called the Iron Horse. He held records for grand slams and for the mo playing um, the most consecutive games in a row. He took himself out of the lineup for the Yankees because he knew that he wasn't well and something was wrong. And he gave a speech in which, which is called the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That's what he said about himself. 
He stood there in front of all of Yankee Stadium, knowing that he couldn't play baseball again, and said, I'm the luckiest man on earth because of the history that he had had. And this all came to my mind when I was thinking about Jeff Files because Jeff was a person who seemed like he was living the life of the luckiest man on earth. He played football at WSU. He was strapping handsome, if I do say so. His bride is here today, Lisa, and the two of them together, I'm gonna ask Lisa to come up in a minute, the two of them together are such a striking couple. And sure enough, they had two striking children, Jared and Lauren. And my daughter, Maddie, um, in kindergarten, took a liking to Jared, and they uh, uh, chased each other there around the playground. And that's how I got to know the Files family when you say to another mom, like, oh yes, my daughter's the one chasing your son on the playground. So we had known the files for uh, probably 15 years, I think, and Lisa had gone through um, a whole bout of cancer herself. When I was diagnosed with cancer, she was one of the people who reached out to me and kind of encouraged me along the way. And then it came to pass that I got a phone call from Lisa saying, something tragic has happened and it looks like Jeff's being diagnosed with ALS, with Lou Gehrig's disease. And he's gonna have to let go of practicing dentistry, a practice that he had built up and hoped to pass on to his son. I was stricken, I mean, I think I wept right, right on the phone as Lisa told me. How are you gonna walk through this? Thinking of all that their family had been through, how was Jeff gonna take this on? And I can tell you that he came to mind because he did it so well. He lived strong every day of his life, and he, he's remembered he came to mind. And I would say he died as Moses did, pointing to God, pointing to Christ, like pointing to that next step. So Lisa, if you come up, I just want to tell a quick story about what ha one of the things that Lisa, um, this is Lisa Files, friends, and um, I texted Lisa this morning, and I said, I just feel like the story of um, the way that you and Jeff lived together and the way that you lived that, particularly that year when you were caring for him at home, and he was losing first his ability to practice dentistry and then needed some support for his head and then needed support for his whole body. And one of the things that Lisa was really hoping was that Jeff would uh, make a video to bless their children in the future. And so my husband, Jeff had called my husband, who's also a pastor, to come basically be his pastor through this time. And they had shared amazing things, times when Jeff had felt the Holy Spirit come on him. And Lisa and Jeff would just had this love affair going on. You would walk in their home to visit them, and um, it was a holy place during that time. And one of Lisa's hopes was that Jeff would make a video and leave it behind for his children, that he would leave that blessing. So I kept coaching Tyler, my husband, hey, mention the video. Be sure to mention the video. And as, as Jeff was kind of becoming... Um, more dependent. I think Lisa was like, when's he going to do this video? I don't think the video is really going to happen. And I don't know if you even knew that if it was happening. Because well, it, the video wasn't really, it was more for our kids and it would be hard for you to have to do a video like that, you know? And so I understood how hard that would be for him to do and that it would have to be his decision because it was a, it was a gift for us. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily something that would be easy for him to do. And, and so, when did you yeah. find out that the video so, existed? 
Um, he, well, I kind of saw him doing it in the other room by himself, and yeah. And so then, that's what he did. He kind of took it upon himself one moment when everybody else in the family was busy, and the kids were coming back and forth, both WSU grads now. Yeah. And uh, he desperately wanted to hang on after they came to visit, I think it was at Thanksgiving, that they would complete their finals. And so I think it was maybe at Thanksgiving time. I can't, when one of their visits, they were all outside, and Jeff set up this video and he began to speak into the video. And that's some of what came into my mind because Lisa, I just wondered if you could tell us maybe a couple of the things that he wanted to make sure the kids remembered. Yeah, and so the video actually was saved for after he passed. So he passed on December 12th, so it'll be two years this year. And so the day after um, he passed, my son woke up that morning and just was like, oh my gosh, dad left us this video. And so that's when the kids got to watch it. And um, it was, we hadn't seen it, didn't know what it, in, you know, entailed, and it was amazing because it was mainly, um, you know, looking to God, I mean, and also it's for the kids, just kind of, you know, when you look for a spouse, you know, what are you going to look for? One of the things was, you know, you put yourself before your spouse and your spouse as well, and then when you have kids, you'll put your kids before that as well, and then just really, you know... I think, you know, with him not being here, he said, you know, look towards others, look towards family, friends. I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be that leader that you might look to, but also really looking to God. I mean, he really, I don't know how he did it. It was about a, probably a 15-minute video with no script. It's like you can watch him and see that there was something bigger mm -hmm. over him, and a lot of neighbors and friends wanted a piece of that coming into the house. It was a blessing, really, mm -hmm. and um, I would say that he felt with everything that he lost, you know, that he was lucky. He, mm. he said that a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. So, thanks so much. Lisa. I didn't know I was going to be up here doing that. I know. I know. Really. And you're just so amazing. So, so um, as I close this part of the sermon, I, what I want to say is that what Moses was doing was he was pointing others to Christ. He wasn't saying, oh, woe is me, I didn't get to complete what I had in mind. And Jeff came to my mind as somebody who did that with his life. So my encouragement to us is, how's God inviting us into that kind of a journey? Into the kind of a journey that would leave a legacy that points to Christ. So I'm going to pray for Lisa and for all of us, and then we'll transition. So mighty God, I thank you so much for the gift of life that you gave Jeff and Lisa to share. I thank you even for this moment um, as we remember him and as Lisa speaks up about what she experienced. Lord, I thank you for their partnership, for the great love affair um, that you gave Jeff and Lisa and for the legacy um, that they built together and that Lisa and Jared and Lauren and their extended family and friends, even really the whole community of Sammamish um, has benefited from this life that you gave Jeff and Lisa. So Lord God, we pray that we would be a people that don't demand our own way, but that receive what you have for us, that we would live strong each day. Lord, that we would embrace um, this gift of life through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So friends, in the part of telling this story, there's a kind of support crew here. Andrea, who has been here, visited Ballard, or Happy part birthday. of Ballard, <laughs> whose birthday it is. And her son, Jake, who's sitting here, was Jeff's nephew, and he has a brother who's not here, and a dad, and all that going to the airport, I think, to get dad. And then Kelly Weatherspoon, who was part of that support crew. And I think part of what Moses shows us in this whole kind of summary of his life 
is we can run the leg that we're given, the leg of the race, with all the strength that we have. We can pour ourselves out to run that part of the journey, but we can't run that part of the journey that's not ours to run. We, we can't live someone else's story. We can only live our own story. So as we come to communion today, I would invite us to consider how is the story of God being written out in your life? Not how do you want God to help change your circumstances or fulfill your dreams, but how is God writing his story through your life in the very circumstances that you're in? When you go home today, when you go to bed tonight, when you wake up tomorrow, how are you being invited to be part of God's story? And may the story of Moses, you know, he could have taken all the disappointments. He could have said no to God. I don't, I, I don't know. If you see a burning bush, you probably have to say yes. But imagine what wouldn't have happened if Moses had resisted God's power in his life. So what is it for us? The story that wouldn't be written if we don't say yes. If we don't let God come in to the very days that we're living so I think Jesus himself knew this. And when he gathered his disciples together um, on the time when they were together for dinner, uh, the Last Supper, you know, they didn't know they were having the Last Supper. I think Jesus did. We think so anyway. But the disciples didn't. They didn't know what he was really saying. They didn't know this foreshadowing of what was going to happen. I think that it was out of, like, unbelief that Jesus was saying, here, you're going to have to remember these concrete things. In the book of Hebrews, after chapter 11, when it talks about all those people who live by faith, it says, now therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's how chapter 12 opens, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Maybe you can bring people to your mind that you know who've lived well, who've died well, who've taken the leg of the journey that God gave them and said, fully, yes, I'm all in. I'll run this race by God's strength. I think Jesus knew that we needed this kind of encouragement, this kind of reminder. So it was when he was gathered with, with his disciples that after giving thanks, he took bread and he blessed it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Like, don't forget don't try to live your life without me. Remember me. And then he took the cup after supper and he said, this is a cup of the new covenant. Drink of it, all of you. There's a new thing going on between you and God. You're on the same team. You're forgiven. You're given the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you always. I'll never forsake you. There's nothing you can do to separate yourself from my love. So, he gives us this gift to say, remember, accept it. Let this strengthen you. Don't try to do it on your own. So as we uh, receive today, as is the custom here at Ballard, you'll come forward, break off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. If you would like gluten-free, it's here on the table. Beautiful. This is the feast of God for the people of God. Come and receive. <laughs>